Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. You are listening to a message from our Wednesday night service. But um, we're going to pick up right where we left off. So we're going to do, we're in Exodus uh, 33. So, so Sunday we touched on how Israel uh, went into idolatry and, and, and you know, kind of like how, how um, God kind of used that situation to... Um, to have Mo- Moses see his role that, you know, through disappointment, how disappointment could lead to idolatry. And, and you know, right now Moses is standing in the gap for, for Israel and he's, he's asking God to, um, to really, really forgive them, you know, to give them another chance. And uh, that's where we're going to pick up on, on Exodus 33. So the, the title to this message is Distinguish. And uh, we'll get into what that word means. And uh, I'm just going to go, it's not going to be a hostage, it's, I think only like 20-something verses, so we'll just kind of go through it, talk about it, and um, so yeah, so Exodus 33, uh, the command to leave Sinai, then the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here, and you and the people, you see that, the people, you and the people, right now it's like God is still holding that against them, you know, it's not, he's not referring to them as his people, it's like you and the people. Because that you know they were in sin and they and and they they departed from from the Lord after everything He did for them. So it says, "You and the people whom you <laughs> He's going back whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants I will give it, and I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites and the Amorite and the Hittite and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. There's a lot of ites in there." So he's saying that, um, you know, you take the people, go into the land that I promised to, to, to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he's still, like, committed to, to fulfilling his word. God is faithful. He'll f- fulfill his word. He'll fulfill his promise. But he's still not referring to them as his covenant people because they made an idol. And um, even though Moses is standing in the gap and he's interceding, God still hasn't changed his mind about the situation until this, up to this point. So... Uh, now he's saying that I will send um, my angel before you and I will drive out uh, all the ites. So verse 3, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. So I want you to see two things right here. He's saying that he's going to send his angel, the angel of the Lord. This is... Um, like a Christophany. This is, this is the word of God coming into time and space, but going before him, whether, whether it's visible or he's in the spirit, he's going before Israel and he's going to go make a way so they, they could take the land. But he's saying that he's not going to be with them in their midst. So he's, so he's still fulfilling his word. He wants to go before them. He's going to drive out all, all the Canaanites and everybody, but, he, but he's not going to be in his midst. At least he consumed them by their, by their sin. He's saying that they're stiff-necked people, that they're, that they're just a hard people, stubborn people. In verse 4, And when the people heard this bad news, they mourned. For the first time you're seeing, after this idolatry, you're seeing the people mourn. Their heart is being grieved. They hear this, and now for the first time they're mourning, which is a very good sign. Because that's, that shows a sign of true repentance. When someone's really grieved in their spirit and they begin to mourn about their situation, it shows true repentance. It shows that, you know, God is, God is working on their heart and it shows that they're, that they're really feeling sorry for what they did. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, 
Oh, sorry, excuse me. They mourned and, and no one put on his ornaments. That word ornaments is something similar to what we spoke about on Sunday with, like, with the earrings. Those ornaments are, are something that they're like, are, are a sign of like idolatry, are a sign of Egypt. They came out of Egypt with a lot of stuff. Some of the stuff they came out with was, was, was like stuff that were associated with, with idolatry. So one of the first things they did is they mourned, and right after they mourned, they began to take off what they thought was, was interfering with their relationship with God. So that's, that's like kind of like a, a good sign. You know, when we come out of the world, right, what, what, what happens? The Holy Spirit starts ministering to us and we start cleaning house. We start getting rid of the things that we know that there are like, can be idols. Some, my wife, she, she, she used to, when, I, when we first got saved, I was throwing everything out. She used to get so mad at me. She was like, where's this? She started looking for her stuff. I just throw everything out. I was like, I got like hyper-religious though. I was like chucking everything. And, um, and it's funny, but that's what happens. Like you, be, you begin to like see your, your life and your situation with a, with a clear set of eyes. And then you start to realize like, wow, I, I'm, I'm, I've been in error. I've been going in error. So you start to throw things out and get rid of things. So now they take off these ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, say to the children of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. I could come up in your midst in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments. So now he's saying take off your ornaments, but they already did it. So now they're like in alignment here. Take off your ornaments that I may know what to do to you. So the children stripped themselves of their ornaments by uh, Mount Horeb. All right, verse 7. Now Moses goes to meet with the Lord. Now Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. You see that? So now Moses is making, he's making a tent. His tent is, is like a as a tabernacle. It's not the tabernacle that, they, that, that they're going to build later on, but this is kind of like a tent where he's going to begin to meet with God. But what he did was he took his tent and he pitched it far away from the people because right now the people are still like, you know, God still hasn't made up his mind what he's going to do with them just yet. And Moses doesn't want to come in contact with that, with that sin. So he's separating himself, which is like a, a symbol of what we do when we, we begin to separate yourself from the world. It's like a is symbolic. So he separates himself. And uh, where am I? All right. So he pitched the tent outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. Verse 8. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses. You see that? They're looking at the man of God. The pe people are watching us. They watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud, the presence of God, descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. Some, some, um, some translation says that he was like face to face. So, uh, and it came to pass that, oh, excuse me. And all the people saw, excuse me, all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped. You see that now? You see the mourning, you see taking off the things that are associated with idolatry and now they're watching the man of God. What are they doing with the man of God? They're distinguishing. That, that's the same word that means separate. They're distinguishing. They're seeing how he's living. They're seeing how, the, how he's operating. They're seeing God's presence working with him. They're seeing the relationship. So now 
what, what happens? As they see that, they begin to worship God. Now it's like they're, they're coming back to their senses. Now they're worshiping God again. Each man, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And that, that means like he spoke to him plainly. And he, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. You see that? His, his servant Joshua. Who's the, who's the one that takes him into the promised land later on? Joshua. Joshua very early on had a, had a desire for the presence of the Lord. They would leave and he would want to hang around in the presence. When, when Israel went into idolatry, Joshua wasn't there. Joshua was like, he didn't go all the way to the top of the mountain, but he was at, at like maybe halfway point. So he didn't, he didn't contaminate himself with that. So verse 12, the promise of God's presence. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, see you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you would send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. Now Moses, you could, he's starting to talk to God straight. Like he's being like straightforward with him. He says, yet you said, you know me by name and you have, and I have found grace and that you have found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. So God is still, I mean, Moses is still interceding on behalf of the people. Verse 14, and he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That's good news. The presence of God gives us rest. The presence of God is, is it's our marking is what separates us but God is, is he gives us rest he gives us peace verse 15 then he said to him if your presence does not go with us do not bring us from here you see that and he said to them if your presence does not go with us do not bring us from here for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace you hear how Moses is talking to him that your people reminding him your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us. So, so shall we be separate, your people and I, from all the people, that's that word distinguished, separate, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. What distinguishes us from the rest of the world? God's presence, His Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what separates us. So the Lord said to Moses, I would do this thing that you have spoken. Boom. The intercession, he interceded, and he was very persistent, but his intercession just had a breakthrough right now. He says, the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, so now Moses is not stopping, though. Moses wants more. He's like, so, and he said, please, Show me your glory. Now he wants to see, you know, the glory of God, which is the true essence of who God is, which our physical body can't even, that's why we're going to get new bodies. When we see him, we'll be like how he is, but now our physical body cannot see that. That's why when Paul was on the, on the road and he's encountered uh, Jesus and his glory, he had scales on his eyes because he can't, we can't, we can't see that. And that's not even seeing his face. He's just seeing like the, the glory of God in a way that put scales on his eyes. Then he said, I will, 
And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. So you see, he wants to see his glory. What does God associate his glory with? His goodness. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, nor, nor shall no man see my face and live. And the Lord said, here is the place by me. You shall stand upon that rock, which is, which is type and shadow of us standing on Jesus, so that it shall be while my glory passes you, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Verse 23, then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. So I'll just stop there and um, just hit on some of the stuff that, and just so you know, like after this, like, like Moses has to go make new tablets, you know, he, since he broke the first one. Now he had, you know, the first ones God did with his own hands. Now he had to do it with his hands. And then you see that um, the, the, the covenant is renewed, you know, because there, there was intercession. There was breakthrough during the intercession. So now they, they could start over. But um, I'm going to get into my points. Boom. Give me one second. All right. All right, so, so you see, can you see that? Let me move. All right, so the word separated, polo, polo, is to distinguish, to make a difference, to show marvelous, separate, set apart, uh, severe, to make wonderfully. So you, it made me think when I saw that, I just think about like, you know, God's presence is what separates us, right? It's what, you know, it's how we're, we're distinguished from all the people on the earth, but it's like, it's like God does marvelous things with his people. God does powerful things with his people. God does like things that aren't natural, right? That stand out. So it's one of the things that, that uh, you know, caught my eye where it says show marvelous or make wonderfully. So verse one, it still seems that the Lord is still upset with his people because he is referring to them as the people. <laughs> Like, we want to be his people, not the people. God is preparing them to go into the land which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and to their descendants that he would give. And he says that I will send my angels like Christophany before you. I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, Parasites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. Drive out means to, to, um, it means to drive out, but it means to, to take out of, uh, from possession, to expatriate or divorce. And I was like looking at those two, those two words, like, um, let me show you what one, I thought it was pretty interesting. Let me pull up um, one on my phone. I had to like screenshot it because of lack of time. But um, so it means, it can mean, uh, expatriate can mean, can also be an individual who has relinquished their citizenship in their home country to become a citizen of another country. And I thought that was, that was weird, be, not weird, but I thought it was interesting because you've seen that when, when, I'll go into this, when God promises Abraham or Abram a multitude of descendants who will inherit the land, he gives them like a, a brief timeline of future events. He says, 
know for certain for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in the country, not their own, that's Egypt, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. He says, in the fourth generation, your descendants will come out and come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. So I thought that was pretty interesting because it was almost like, you know, the, like God during that time there is like God couldn't kick them out of the, the land like legally without their, their sin is what made them, what, what, that, what caused that judgment to come against them to have them go. God is a just God. He's not just going to go there because I'm like, you know, some people who can read the Bible and they could, they could think like he's just going in there and like snatching snatching land from people and you know that's not nice that's not a nice god but no they, he probably gave them time to repent and they didn't there there was there was it says that there, the sin of the Am amorites has not yet reached its full measure so you see that um i thought that that was pretty interesting that word drive out means to you know they were operating in an, as as different citizens it wasn't it wasn't the kingdom of light it was the kingdom of darkness and he was bringing his people into that land. And that, pe that people was going to be the people that's representative of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of light. And they were going to be the ones that are, they were going to be um, this word to be able to distinguish among all the nations of the earth. And they're going to be a type and shadow of the church that's to come later. And um, yeah, so I thought that was pretty interesting and pretty cool. So verse 3, the Lord says to go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. That just shows that that land is prosperous, that that land has... Um, has a lot of, you know, like Pastor always says, a lot of cows, you know, a lot of milk, you know, stuff like that. That there's vegetation. You've seen when the two spies, well, when the 12 spies went into the land, they came back with fruit that they needed, like, a couple of people to carry the fruit because the fruit was, like, so big. So that land was blessed, is my point. And um, for, for I will not go up into your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for, if, for you are a uh, stiff-necked people. Verse 4, when the people heard this bad news, they mourned, and no one put on their ornaments. It's interesting how once Israel heard the report, they mourned, and no one put on the ornaments. It's as if the conviction of God came on them, and they knew instantly what to do. And I think a lot of us can relate to, to that. So these ornaments were heathen. They were, the example is the earrings that we spoke about on Sunday, on Sunday they used to make the calf that demonstrated the fact that they were still worshiping the gods of, of, of Egypt. Verse 7, Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp far from the camp and called it the tabernacle of meeting and it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord and went out to the tabernacle of meeting which was outside the camp. I kind of hit on this before, most likely Moses pitched his camp outside the camp because of uh, the sin Israel committed. If the Lord didn't want to dwell in their midst, why should Moses? Verse 8 shows whenever Moses went to the tabernacle, the people rose and watched. The people are distinguishing his relationship. That's that word distinguished. Distinguishing his relationship with God. I said it before a lot. People are watching us. People are always observing us. People are always observing. Some people watch us with a critical eye looking to find fault. But there's people that are, are watching our lives genuinely because they see something on our lives. And that something is, is, is God, is the presence of God. And it's, it's, they want it. They want it. People, people are struggling. People are going through it. And, and it's up to us to, to separate ourselves and live differently. I'm not talking about separation in terms of isolation, in terms of like I can't, I can't um, 
you know, like participate with people in, in, in the world. Like I can't come in contact, I mean, with people in the world. That's not true. But there is, a, you do have to draw a line in the sand as to what I'm going to participate with. It's like, you know, like, like weed is now legal, right? Weed is now legal. Just because it's legal, it doesn't mean that it's permissible. Alcohol, just because it's legal, doesn't mean that it's permissible. It doesn't mean that it's beneficial. There's just some things that, that we just have to separate ourselves with because it's not beneficial to who, we, who God is calling us to be. It's not beneficial to our life. I didn't see any of that add to anyone's life. You know, so I'm just using those things as two examples to show that, you know, Moses was, was living a life a certain way that was attractive to the people around him. And that, that, that thing that was attractive wasn't Moses himself. It was just like, wow, a man can have a relationship with God in a way that's transforming. A man can, you know, I want that. I want that for myself. I want a relationship with God. I want to meet with God. I want to talk with God. I want God to speak with me plainly. That's, that's what it is. When people, when people see us and they encounter us and, and they do life with us, you know, people are watching us and, they, and they're looking for what we have. They might not say it, but they're looking for what we have. And it's maybe not right away, maybe in the future, maybe like two years from now. Maybe, you know, God is still working on their hearts. So it's always important for us to be able to separate ourselves, to distinguish ourselves, and to be able to stand out. Not in a way that's like, oh, I'm, I'm holier than thou, but it's like, hey, listen, I'm not going to participate with the things that aren't beneficial, and I can show you that I can still live a life that's full of joy. I can still live a life that's fun. I can still live a life that's, um, that, that, you know, it's attractive. I don't have to do what everyone else is doing. I don't have to conform. So uh, where am I? So verse 9. So the people saw the presence of God, how it would come down as a pillar of cloud every time Moses entered the tabernacle and the Lord would talk to Moses. This relationship God had with Moses caused the people to start worshiping the Lord again. Anytime somebody comes to the Lord through you, God uses a, a, a vessel, uses you as a vessel is a type and shadow of, of, of this here. Verse 11, the Lord spoke to Moses like a friend. That means he spoke to him plainly. Moses did, did what the Lord commanded him to do. So this defined their relationship. So his obedience defined their relationship. If Moses didn't do what God called him to do, if he didn't do what he commanded him to do, we wouldn't be talking about Moses today. God would have raised somebody else up. We're always replaceable. Us, we're always replaceable. There's always somebody else. What defined him as, as, as a friend was their, his obedience. And because he was his friend, he didn't, he didn't care to ask like, hey, can I see your glory after he interceded for the people? Because like, friends are straight up. They just, they just talk. You know, he... God knew what he wanted anyway. So John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. So I just brought a New Testament uh, verse to kind of bring a connection there. So Joshua, not departing from the tabernacle, revealed his heart as one who desired God's presence. This positioned himself for, for his future to lead God's people. We can't lead the people of God without the presence of God. We're no different from, from the world if we're trying to lead without God's presence. 
you see the importance of, you remember David? I don't know if you remember the Psalm, I think it was 51, right? Where he, he's, he's crying out to God to not take his, his spirit from him. Because his, his, the presence of God meant so much to, to, to David, but also as a king, also as a ruler, also as a leader, he knows that he, he couldn't live without him, and he knew that he couldn't rule without his presence. His presence is what separated him from everyone else. All the other kings, everyone else that was walking the face of the earth is his presence. Verse 12 through 14. Moses says, you want me to bring this people, but you won't. Tell me who you send with me. First, you see that he said, you know me by name. Second, I have found grace in your sight. Third, show me your way that I might find grace in your sight. The more we, 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 we become familiar with, with the things of God, the more grace we find. Because what do I mean by that? It's like the more, that, the more I, I learn about God, the more I learn about Him, it ch puts change in my life, right? It causes, it causes me to change. Because the more we come in contact with Him, with Him, the more we realize how much help we need. And then when we begin to do that, We've been, we begin to become committed to the change and we become, um, we yield to God and we allow Him to do His work and when we do that, we find grace instead of resisting Him. When we resist Him, God, it's like we're being proud and the Bible says that He'll resist the proud. So, so third, it says, uh, show me your way that I might find grace in your sight. Consider that this nation is your people. Now He's reminding them again that this nation is your people. The Lord said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. We spoke about that, that, that the presence of God gives us rest. Verse 15, Moses says to the Lord, if your presence does not go with me, <laughs> do not bring me up from here. I thought that was pretty powerful. When, when I read this, this whole thing, that's what stood out to me the most. It's like, he's like, yo, I'm not going without you. Like, I'm not going. You're, you're going to... You're, you want me to lead these people? I, I can't lead these people without your presence. I can't go into that land without your presence. I'm, in fact, I'm not leaving this, this very place unless you go with me, unless you go with us. It's like, you know, you're, you said you're going to send your angel before us. That is great. I'd rather the angel of the Lord go before us and make a way. But I don't want him to just go before us. I want him to be with us as we go. There's a difference, right? God going before you, that's great. Yeah, he'll go make room. But I want you with us while we go. But if you're telling me that you can't be with us because of our condition, God, we forgive us so, and so we can change our condition. We need you with us because without you, we're nothing. And that's kind of like Moses' heart. And I thought it was powerful. Verse 16. How then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except that you go with us? So you see, grace, what's grace? Grace is the, the undeserved favor of God. Grace is the ability to do things we can't do on, on our own strength. Grace is a gift. Grace is, the, grace is the gift of wholeness. So when people, the grace of God on our life is what is another thing that distinguishes us from other people. You ever come in, you ever see like our pastor has like crazy amount of grace. He has like weird amount of grace. People look at it like, you know, like, Yo, they straight up got a little plane. Like, they got on a little plane. Like, that whole group has an enormous amount of grace on their life. Do you think that happened overnight? 
No, that's a lot of time in a secret place. That's a lot of time. Like Moses spending time going into the tent. That's a lot of time. But the thing is, that is very, very visible. They got a guy who, who's, who's cursing, smoking cigarettes, and he wants to help them. That's grace and supernatural favor. That's just an example of, of what I'm talking about. That's another thing that distinguishes us to the world. Uncommon grace. Like you walk into places and, and just things just happen. Like people want to give you things. People want to, you know, people want to help you. It's, it's, that's another thing that distinguishes us from the world. So we shall be separate. That's that word distinguish your people and I from the people whom are upon the face of the earth. All right, let's do some truths to take home. Where we go only matters if God goes with us. So where we go only matters if, if God goes with us. In life, our, our alignment with the, with the Lord is, is, is what we need. Like, I was, I was laughing when, when Prophet Allen was here. Prophet Allen was like, you can't go to Florida. And like, what no one knows is that like, me and my wife talk about going to Florida all the time. I like Florida, my father's there, I have family there, it's hot, it's warm. But the thing that my wife knows is that I, I will not go to Florida unless God tells me to go to Florida. Because I believe God called me here. I believe that I'm supposed to be joined uh, to the hip with my pastor until God releases me in the future and until my, my pastor you know, releases me for something in the future. But until then, I, I stay here because this is where I believe God has me, right? I'm just using that as, as an example. There's, there's, there's alignment, right? So you don't go, you can go, right? I, I can go, and you could probably make a living. You could probably make some money, and you would be in nicer weather, but you would be out of alignment with what God has for your, for your life. So if you're out of alignment, that means that you're not going to have his best. That means that his, his, you're blessed because you're still his child. You're still his, his child. But you took a detour, and you're not going to have his best. And I want his best. I want his best for not just my life, for my family's life. And I, want his, I, I just don't want to be out of alignment. So I'm using that as a practical example of where we go only matters if God goes with us. True repentance will cause us to mourn over our sin and to put away what's keeping us from God. You know, when, when you... When you minister to people or you talk with people and you listen to somebody talk and they're really really mourning over their sin they're really really mourning over their life and their condition you know they're in the perfect place you know they're in the perfect place because if someone if you see the condition of someone's life and you want to talk to them about the condition of their life and you and you want to and they just like they're not ready they're not ready that that, that sin has to, to, to break their heart and, and like really, really press them down and get them to the place where they reach out to you and like, I need help. I need help. I'm ready. Help me. That's the perfect place. So, and when, and when you people deal with, um, in the future, you're going to see like, you might deal with like people in relationships. You know, you might see that someone may, there might have been some infidelity or something like that. You'll see that that person, if they're really, really, really upset and they're really, really repentative about the situation, then that situation could probably work, right? If you see that that person, there's no true repentance, there's no, there's no 
brokenness, there's no mourn over that sin, then you know that person's probably going to do it again and they're probably not, not ready. So always look at the, you know, you might see it in church. If you come to church a long time, you'll see people come up and they'll just cry. And they'll just cry, cry over the, the, their condition. And that's a good place to be. People will eventually come back to the Lord as they watch his people seek him wholeheartedly. And that's what was happening with Moses. People, were, people saw and they watched. When they saw Moses go into his tent, it wasn't like they were like watching Moses. Yeah, they were watching him, but that's only part of it. When they seen him get up and go to his tent, they, they saw the presence come down. When they saw the presence come down, what was that? That's grace. That's favor. That's the goodness of God. That's what they desire, and they say, I want that. And what happened? It, broke, it brought a people that, in the last chapter, were making idols out of their bondage because that, those earrings were, represented bondage. Those earrings represented them being enslaved, and they, they got themselves enslaved by, by something that was symbolic to them already being in bondage. And the fact that it was in the ear, it shows that idols not only, not only affects your, your, your relationship with God, but it, uh, it'll affect your hearing. You become deaf. You can't hear God because God, God is far from you. You made something else your God. True worship returns after we put away our ornaments. So true, what do I mean by that? You've seen that, that worship came after they mourned, after repentance, and after they, they, they put away the thing that was separating them from God. And then what you saw, after that they were able to worship God and able to worship them, them, Him freely. And then what you see after that, you've seen that, that Moses was still interceding on their behalf. And what you see after that, God's going to pardon them and forgive them for their sin. There still may be some consequences, but he's, he's, he's softening up a little bit. God will speak plainly like a friend. When we do, God bless you. God will speak plainly like a friend when we do that, what he says, excuse me, when we do what he says. So I was, we were talking about that before, about when we're obedient, we become a friend of God. And when we're friends, we speak straight, straight up. Real friends don't, don't beat around the bush. They kind of like, just say, just say how it is, you know? Like, desiring the presence of the Lord positions us to be entrusted with his people and his friends. You see that there's a difference between his people. You can, you can still be his people. Not everyone's his friend. There's a difference there. Like, I remember, I, remember, I think it was Mac. I think it was Mac that, that said it. Mac had a prayer where he, he asked God to, to introduce him to his friends. That's, that's a powerful prayer because you're, you're, you're distinguishing the difference between the people of God. We get saved. We recognize Jesus. We celebrate in his birth this, this weekend. We recognize Jesus as Lord and Savior. We recognize that he's God in the flesh, that he humbled himself, descended on the earth, uh, came through the, the Virgin Mary, you know, lived a life perfect. The atonement, the resurrection, the ascension. We believe all of that. That makes us Christians. That makes us, the, you, know, you know, saved. As, as we call born again, right? The, the Bible, people say born again. Born again. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're God's friends. The more, we, the more that a yes becomes in our spirit, and I'm not saying this like a God's my total best friend. I'm just recognizing in the scripture that my eyes are being open to the fact that the more I say yes to him, the more 
more he'll speak to me plainly, the more I'll be his friend. And if I'm his friend, I know that he's going to introduce me to his friends. If, if I'm his friend, I know that it's, it's like a different level of relationship. Uh, okay, where am I? So, okay, we can't lead the people of God without the presence of God. God's presence is what separates us, that distinguishes us from all the people of the face of the earth. Moses knew how to separate himself with people so they can distinguish what's acceptable. Him separating himself from people was a way that they were able to distinguish what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Our life should be a testament to the people that we're gonna walk with what's acceptable and what's not. If you go to, there's certain, there's certain churches, you know, they go to the bars, there's certain people, they go and they hang out, they'll go to like, they see it as like, like an acceptable thing. But you're not gonna raise true, true disciples that way. It's not going back, I'm not saying they're not Christian, I'm not saying that, but there's, those things shouldn't be, it's not acceptable. I don't think so at least. Moses knew how to intercede until God, until he got his breakthrough. So as, as Christians, as, as people, they were going to start to stand in the gap for other people. We, we have to ask God to, to really strengthen us, to really be able to, to intercede with people, to, to not leave until we get that breakthrough. There's people that pray that they don't stop praying until they get a breakthrough, until they feel that, that they got that breakthrough. And then they can walk in the confidence of that breakthrough. Moses asked God to see the glory of God, and God showed him all his goodness and proclaimed his name, and the goodness of God and the power of his name we find in Jesus. I say that again. Moses asked to see the glory of God and to show, show him his, and God showed him, excuse me, God showed him his goodness and proclaimed his name, and the goodness of God and the power of his name we find in Jesus. The Lord wouldn't show Moses his literal face because our physical bodies can't, can't see that and live. But because Moses was pure hearted, he saw God. We see that in Matthew 5.8. It says the, the pure hearted would see God. So there's ways that we can see God now. Maybe not like we'll see him later, but keep your heart pure and we'll see God. We'll see what he's doing. We'll see what he's up to. God shows us. God knows how to cover us. When we ask him for things that we can't bear, you see that when, when Moses, when, when God walks by him, he tells him to stand on the rock, he walks by him. And when he walks by him, he covers him because he can't bear his glory. And there's a lot of things that we do in life. I was like, wow, that's pretty powerful because there's times in life where we, we're asking God for, 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 for things, right? And there's things we're going through that we can't bear. And it's like he has his hand on us, his covering on us. And I thought that that was pretty powerful when you think about it like that. But um, yeah, that's it. I told you I wasn't going to be a hostage. I wasn't supposed to preach tonight, but I'm glad that I was able to have the opportunity to come uh, say something and kind of follow up from what we did on Sunday. I'm happy our, our pastor's coming back, our team's coming back. We, we love them. We miss them. Looking forward to hearing the, the testimonies of, as to what happened. I'm sure Sarah's sitting on a bunch right now that she's not saying. <laughs> but uh, Sarah, thank you for making it tonight. And, and thank you guys for getting here and helping out. So let's pray. So Father, we just thank you for, for tonight. We thank you that we could um, pull from this word 
and grab a few uh, things and apply it to our life. Holy Spirit, we ask for grace in these areas to, to strengthen us in these areas so that we can be consistent, steady people that people can count on, people that are trustworthy. Jesus, we, we ask by your grace that you would continue to help us to be obedient. We need your help to even be obedient, to be obedient in areas where we maybe we're, we're not so obedient. God, strengthen us, help us. Um, we ask for grace for, for, for our families this week. We ask for supernatural favor for our families this week. As um, this time of year, people are like, kind of like traveling, going places, just that you would give them travel mercies, that you would, um, that you would help us to help people to really recognize who it is that we're celebrating this, this week, who it is that, um, that this Christmas is all about. It's not about Santa Claus, and it's not about the reindeers and all that stuff, but it's about your son. So, Father, we thank you, we love you, we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right.